You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast, part of the 24-7 Sports Podcast family. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon, and it's a big Monday for us as we record this podcast, and mainly because LSU naturally is the topic of conversation among the top transfer players in the country. 24-7 Sports debuted their top transfer rankings, and LSU landed with the sixth best transfer prospect in the in the country in Mike Jones Jr., the transfer linebacker from Clemson that LSU brought in this spring to help shore up that position of, of need and com- compete with guys like Damone Clark, Micah Baskerville, and some of the other guys that are back uh, in that room for new linebackers coach Blake Baker. And Shay, when I look at these rankings, I mean, I mean, one, there's some LSU flavor on guys who are on the out, like Eric Gilbert and uh, Siaki Aika, Apu Aika. Uh, but mainly, let's start with Mike Jones Jr., four-star recruit coming out of the 2018 class. He had been a starter for Clemson, actually played against LSU in that national championship game where LSU came away with the win. He had three tackles in that game for the Tigers defense, but he wanted a fresh start and he comes to LSU with a chance to one play right away uh, after he uh, played as a sophomore in 2020 for Clemson. He'll be a sophomore again uh, and have multiple years left. And that's a part of the reasoning why he's right up in that top 10 in the country of transfer rankings. Yeah, I mean, I think that for a number of reasons, it's a big addition. One, it's a position of need. Uh, we know in the modern era of football, you can run a 4-3 or a 3-4, whatever it might be. And, and as Orgeron said, most, most people are multiple now. But we've seen LSU last year, for instance, they played with two linebackers on the field. It was Jabril Cox, and it was that sort of back and forth to Baskerville and, and Clark. And now you look into this next year, they lost Cox. So immediately you say, well, we were rotating these two guys. They're both back, but now we've lost a starter at the other spot. We don't have any proven depth behind that. Josh White, Sampa, uh, some guys obviously had signed but didn't play much a year ago. And you move into the offseason. It was big that they signed Navon Tech Strong, I thought, back in December. Uh, number one JUCO linebacker in the country. They flipped him from Mississippi State. And if you can get him up to speed with Blake Baker, I've said that a few times, that uh, I think so important for Strong is kind of feeling out the playbook, getting to know uh, all the cues and and where he needs to be lined up and and being a part of this LSU defense, because certainly uh, he can, when he sees the ball, he can go and get it. And uh, he proved that in back-to-back years of really high-level production uh, at the JUCO level. That's what made him the number one prospect coming out. But they felt like it was still a need. So to go and get Mike Jones, who you look back at high school, Billy, he was at, played in Tennessee and then went to IMG, but his spark score was the best of any uh, linebacker in that 2018 class. And um, look, that's just a metric for really your overall athleticism. And then uh, in the time he got on the field a year ago, PFF uh, ranked him as a top 25. I think he might've been 26 actually uh, linebacker in college football. That includes everybody, not just guys who are transferring or, or whatever it might be. And uh, you can put whatever stock you want into PFF and, and their metrics, but uh, at least it says that look, LSU is getting a guy who can play at a high level suddenly between him and strong, you feel a lot better uh, about maybe that linebacker position and what it can be for you uh, right away with Durante Jones as a DC with Baker coaching the linebackers, a lot of new blood 
on that defensive staff. Uh, how do the linebackers look at that middle level would be so key to, to if this defense can get things turned around in just one offseason. And um, I thought, look, I like Jones's ranking top 10. I, I agree with you. I think the fact that he's got a few years left makes him more valuable and probably pushed him up that list even more. Uh, he finishes, or I guess he's ranked as the number two uh, linebacker transfer uh, in the country behind Henry Toa Toa, who hasn't picked a school yet out of coming out of Tennessee, but it's a nice addition. I, I like it a good bit. And, and as you alluded, portal giveth and taketh away. I think LSU had seven guys get ratings who left, you know, from Gilbert and Ica, who Gilbert was number one. That wasn't a big shock. Uh, we still don't know if he's going to be immediately eligible or what that is at Florida. Uh, Ica was, I think, ranked number 17, but the number one defensive tackle, that wasn't a big uh, surprise. A talented player who played plenty in Baton Rouge, but uh, ultimately as a nose tackle, uh, sought to go play for Aranda again, now at Baylor. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the other transfers, everybody else left from like what, Ray Thornton down to Justin Thomas and Chris Curry, uh, they all checked in as three stars. So a lot of guys got rated, but I think that obviously the, the news of the day was the top 20 that had a couple of LSU guys, former ones, including one at number one, but a nice bounce back for them kind of uh, answer back with a position of need and, and the top 10 guy at that. Right. I think his ranking in Mike Jones Jr.'s is, is appropriate. And he's somebody that can come in and play right away. That's something that I think factors in when you're looking at trying to rank transfer prospects. And a lot of times, uh, and I would say most of the times, you have so much more information. And it's why a lot of colleges are also prioritizing this transfer portal. Uh, I mean, you look at what for example, Oklahoma has done uh, with the transfer portal this offseason, taking you know a, a lot of Tennessee's guys, for example, and just shoring up their roster with those guys. And when you have more information, whether it's college game film or another couple years like we do with Mike Jones Jr., for example, of, of physical development and what he looks like, and LSU got to see him up close and personal in the national championship game, it makes sense to use the transfer portal to fill those needs. And I think to an extent, you might see some schools start to taper back some of these 25 man recruiting classes that we see and maybe go with that 20 to 22 range and leave those multiple spots open uh, like LSU uh, could have done really if they hadn't got Brian Thomas Jr. For example, they would have had three roster spots to give uh, out of that transfer portal. Instead, they have two. They went with Mike Jones Jr. out of Clemson to fill one of those spots, but now down the stretch here, and I say down the stretch, the transfer portal is year round and you can address needs almost whenever you want. We saw LSU do that in fall camp with Darren Evans out of Nichols State, the cornerback. It didn't necessarily pan out just yet for, for Darren Evans at LSU, but that just shows how late you can add some of these transfers. You can count them forward uh, in Darren Evans' case where you can, you can really – uh, sometimes get or not there in Evans case, but sometimes that timing of when you bring certain guys in could be counted forward. And that's something to always know when you're trying to say, okay, where's LSU or where's this school or that school going to go with the last spot. It can really come at any time, or they could certainly count it forward to the 2022 class uh, where they have a lot of offers on the table in Louisiana. Uh, they can certainly bounce back with a good season on the field this year and maybe build a more national class uh, to kind of fill other spots that they don't uh, get done in Louisiana. Shay, let's talk about that final spot in 20 uh, in the 2021 class. Does it go forward to 2022? Is it 
a transfer do that, that they bring in. What do you kind of think right now? I know you dropped some intel on Go 24-7 on Monday morning about this, but what do you expect right now that LSU is going to go with as far as addressing that last spot? My gut tells me that they'll use it. And I say that thinking that, look, there's not a lot of other high school prospects out there and, and or JUCO really. But when you look at the transfer portal, you know there's the reality that other guys will enter the portal this offseason. Um, not who's in there now will be the last guy that's going in. So you'll be able to play this best available game, giving you have that one token. You've got a one scholarship spot you can still use. Not everyone has that. So your competition's a bit cut down. Let's say you've got a really elite player who wants to play high-level SEC ball. And, you know, if Alabama or Georgia or whoever it might be is full or doesn't need that position, uh, you're not really battling everyone at the same rate you would be in high school. So I, I like the idea of continuing to monitor it. I just think that now I've reshuffled positions in terms of what I deem valuable for LSU. And I'll go, I'll say it this way. I no longer think that the linebacker is a huge need because we talked about it. They added Navon Tech strong in December. He's a early enrollee. He was a Juco kid. He's got a couple of years of experience. And then they added Mike Jones Jr. Most recently, uh, who we just talked about plenty as a transfer out of Clemson. So I moved that down the list. And then I've moved offensive line down the list because it was number one at one point. And certainly it seemed almost imminent that they were going to add at least one transfer along the offensive line. Then came the news that all five starters were coming back again. Not one of them turned pro, not one of them left. Uh, their swingman cam wires coming back again. Uh, we saw a little bit of Marlon Martinez. They've now signed a couple of new guys and Garrett Dellinger and Kimo McIndiole. Obviously they've got other guys on roster who, who are now back and trying to work their way into to solid spots on that too deep. Um, so I'm not as worried about that anymore. I would say if I need immediate help and not just thinking in the term of, which is fine of, okay, I can find a guy who needs three, you know, has three years left and that I don't need him next year, maybe as much as it'll help us down the line. And, and that's fine. But if you're thinking next year, it's tight end, probably number one, considering Gilbert left, in the offseason, what, a year ago, Jamal Pettigrew left, and with no dock of eligibility, he could still have another year. Torrey Carter's gone pro. That room is whittled, you know, whittled down now, really, to Cole Taylor and uh, Jalen Sheed, who just signed in December, the only two scholarship tight ends. That's a little sticky in my mind. So if a really good tight end came out there, Billy, I'd take him. And then Orgeron has said it plenty. He said linebacker and safety were the things he was wanting. And they got a linebacker. So does safety now become something they monitor as closely as they might be doing a tight end, for instance? Uh, I'd go those two. For me, clear cut. Uh, if they want to find someone who can help them next year that's worth spending a spot on, I would spend it on one of those two spots. And I can't fault you for thinking that way. And and the way Ed Ogeron has used up his scholarships pretty much every year that he's been here makes a lot of sense for them to to go that route and to find a way to address the position and the thing that i go back to is one after spring ball you're going to see an, a bunch of bunch of transfers i mean that's just the case you're going to see how guys mesh with their new position coaches you're going to see uh the depth charts after the spring come out maybe it the, the role isn't what they would have wanted and it's okay for and LSU is going to get a graduate transfer when Mike Jones Jr. Uh, graduates in May from Clemson. But another thing is you can go maybe somebody that they recruited heavily out of high school 
who went to their school and LSU was among the finalists and it's just not panning out and he could tell that right away. Maybe they get somebody that has something like four years left of eligibility or, you know, if it was a freshman's case, I think he would have five years to play four. So you could pretty much get somebody kind of on a bounce back uh, in a way that that you didn't end up with in recruiting somebody that you're really familiar with. This is one of those examples that I think LSU had some familiarity with um, Austin Thomas being from Nashville area probably played a little bit of a role in this one uh, with Mike Jones Jr. But for the most part, um, I think you could go with somebody that doesn't like how it's panning out at their current college. Maybe they enter the portal, look for a fresh start, um, kind of similar to, I guess, how things transpired with Eric Gilbert or Siaki Aika to an extent. Well, but, look, Marcel Brooks. I mean, yeah, well, and, and now he's changed positions again, but people will say, well, why would you, why would someone who, who would want someone that, you know, leaves after spring because they don't like your spot? You said it well. You may not like your role. Remember, it was a people speculated. Well, was he mad that he was playing linebacker and not safety? And it was clearly good enough to play. So or at least be on roster and, and be on another one. Um, I think that could be intri- intriguing. Right. When you said it, that's what I immediately thought of was guys like that who say, well, I don't really feel like playing that position. So I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that's something that as a transfer portal continues to uh, get more run with these colleges, they'll realize, they'll say, okay, recruit that guy really hard because we might not get him on the front end, but on the back end, we might be able to get him when he transfers because maybe the position is loaded at the school he's going to. And for some reason, he's still going to go there. Maybe he you know, just really likes that school, but maybe he'll get there and realize, okay, maybe LSU was the right choice. Maybe I can jump into the portal and find a new home. And there's a million different reasons reasons why guys transfer and it doesn't really matter but the point is is that the transfer portal is continuing to heat up and look it's it's kind of scary for a lot of these guys they can enter the portal and the grass could not be greener and they could end up you know out of football i mean you read a story earlier this this year that manny netherly never played again when he left lsu and so it's it's a really touchy thing to kind of go into for some of these guys but the way lsu recruits and the type of players that lsu recruits Sometimes these young guys that do want to jump into that transfer portal after just one year, they're still highly recruited. They're still highly rated. They still have long-term pro potential. You look at Eric Gilbert, Apuaika, uh, Marcel Brooks, guys like that. Uh, the, those are, that are just examples of that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that final spot. I think if you're an LSU fan monitoring everything, I think this is a good chance for us to plug that we do have 50% off annual subscriptions to go 24-7 rolling into March. So you can take advantage of this deal a couple days into March, I think is what it goes to. But right now, on top of that, you get access to CBS all access right away when you subscribe, which is a little different. Normally, you have to wait that full year of that promotion period if you jump on board to get access to that. Right now, you don't. So if you subscribe to go 24-7, you get 50% off annual plus CBS all access, which turns into Paramount Plus early on in March. So you're already locked in for all that huge value there for you guys. So we encourage you to check it out because as we get VIP tidbits on maybe how they're going to go about filling that last spot, we'll be able to pass it along to you and you'll be an annual subscriber for that. You'll get all of football season and basically all of basketball season and the whole recruiting cycle of 2022. So it should be a pretty exciting year uh, for those who jump on that. We've seen plenty do that already. Shay, we talked about the last spot already. LSU has their last few games remaining in basketball. We're going to break those down, that trio of matchups for LSU. Maybe they slide in a game or two that needs to be rescheduled. But LSU has a pretty improved 
NCAA tournament outlook after these last few outings. So we're going to break that down on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I just got off the phone uh, with Will Wade for his weekly, uh, or I should say, uh, pregame media availability before Georgia uh, comes to Baton Rouge to face LSU on Tuesday night. Another big game for LSU down the stretch here, or excuse me, they head to uh, Georgia for that game on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. And last time out in Baton Rouge, it was Quite the thriller, uh, overtime win for the Tigers. Uh, they need this win over Georgia. And as they come down the stretch, three winnable games. Georgia at Arkansas on Saturday. That's a big one as Arkansas is among the top teams in the SEC. And then they finish next week against Vanderbilt. As of now, they've got a couple games that they really need to try and make up. We'll see if those happen before the SEC tournament starts on March 10th. But... Shay, it's crazy. What what a difference uh, a week, you know, or so makes. I I, I should say. I mean, you coming you're coming off uh, wins at Mississippi State, a pretty strong performance there. They really took it to Tennessee at home in the PMAC uh, a week ago, and then they followed that up by blowing the doors off of Auburn, a uh, hundred point, uh, topping the hundred point mark over Auburn on Saturday, and that's really changed, I think, the whole outlook on this team. And we've seen this from time to time where LSU has just put together really good stretches of basketball under Will Wade. They're doing that at the right time with three games to go. Yeah, I mean, where do we start to unpack the weekend? I mean, look, look the Auburn game's a few days behind us, and they're not going to play that well every time. It was the first time they've scored over 100 in an SEC game. I think it was since 94, 96, something in that range. Um, but, boy, it was – I was in the PMAC. It was fun to watch. Um, it wasn't, you know, wasn't 12,000 people in there booting up. In fact, it was probably one of, I don't know if it was the baseball game or people had a long week with all of the power outages and everything, but not a ton of people there. And I was kind of curious before the game. I was like, man, are they going to come out a little flat? They haven't played in a week. And they just beat the brakes off of them. And, and look, Auburn's not the best team in the SEC at all. Certainly not what they've been the past two seasons after losing all those guys. But they're well coached. They've got some good young talent and, and LSU can sometimes play down the competition. And that wasn't the case at all. Um, look, if now we're at this point, right, where now it's just time to talk about, okay, how can they finish and what does it mean? And, and I think as you gear up for that and, and a tournament seating and how far they, they could potentially go, you've now seen, at least what's made them good here, in my opinion, in some recent stretches 
is when it all comes together, how good this team can really be. And certainly defensively, they have to have some sort of effort. I mean, they can score the basket, you know, the basketball. That's no issue, and it hasn't been. But defensively, they can, you know, completely give up in games. Or not, it doesn't even look like they're showing effort. That hasn't been the case recently. And uh, whether it was Tennessee or, or into this stretch of games, I thought they've played so much, much better. Uh, but boy, Darius Days, this is one thing that we've talked about all year. Darius Days, when he scores double digits, Billy, they're 15 and one. The one game they lost when he scored double digits was the Texas Tech game. He had 11, was getting hot, and he gets hurt with 12 minutes left. And oh, obviously, they go on to lose the game uh, in a tight one. But had he stayed in that game, I'm not so sure Texas Tech would have been able to to stick with him. I mean, it was right when he was starting to heat up. Every other game he scores double digits, they win. So you know that what Smart can do. You know what Cam Thomas can do, obviously. He's so phenomenal. Uh, and look, in terms of scoring the basketball, Smart's as good as any point guard out there. Uh, and now we've seen this emergence of LeBlanc, of Hyatt, uh, guys playing 20-something minutes. And you get the, the back end of Gaines and Wilkinson and you know guys who are certainly playing predominantly for defense, Billy. And I think a lot different of this team than I did even a month and a half, you know, a month ago or, or so when they were playing well uh, in spots and kind of their losses were to very good teams, but were close and um, St. Louis and Florida and beyond that stretch, getting what they've gotten from LeBlanc and certainly now finding a way to transfer Hyatt from being this great practice player to someone who uh, is at least giving them something in these games is, is just changes it for me. I think that now they, they look much more complete, uh, and, and I fear a lot less for them getting to the tournament and just going one and done. Right, and you had a great piece on Go 24-7 this morning about Josh LeBlanc, who has really come on to be that player that I saw when when LSU recruited him out of high school in that class with Darius Days, Javante Smart, and, and those guys. And he is turning out to be what LSU one needed. I mean, they needed toughness. They needed somebody that is tenacious on the boards and on the defensive end. And he's just become this player that uh, it makes sense why he's, he's really started to pick up his minutes and just pick up his game in general. He's just more and more comfortable. He's a X factor for me. If he continues to improve and you and I have been doing this podcast now for a few years and Darius Days always comes up as that type of player where when things are going right for LSU, he's playing at his best and he's not in foul trouble. He's able to hit a couple threes here or there, able to stretch that court. And one thing to go on the team angle that you mentioned in terms of the defensive end, getting back in transition is the biggest thing that I took away from Will Wade's press conference ahead of the Georgia game. And he's been saying it now for a while, and it, it makes a lot of sense. When LSU's getting caught in transition by opposing teams and they get thrown into that rotation, and you could just tell. When you watch you watch this LSU team under Will Wade, you can see it coming. When teams are starting to run and they're out ahead of them and the defense is all helter-skelter, you can you know a corner three is coming, you know a wide open three is coming, or or some easy basket for a, for a team to take advantage of that uh, out of whack defense and it's because they're not getting back in transition and they've really started to kind of turn the corner in terms of getting that out of the team and being able to pull them uh, back and be able to get set and force teams to beat them in the half court because with the with the talent LSU has one they they have been and will continue under Will Wade as long as they continue to get talent like this to be at the top of the SEC and in the conversation for an SEC championship each year but 
they have that talent to be an elite defensive team, it's putting it together every year. And we, we go through this all the time. That has been the issue. Right now, they're playing hard. They're getting back on defense. Uh, and that's been, you know, pretty big key to this uh, resurgence in the last few games uh, for the Tigers. So if that is the case uh, and, and they can finish out this season 3-0 and um, over these upcoming three games, and like I said earlier, we'll see if they get one of these postponed games back, that would go a long way to really raising their NCAA tournament seed, uh, obviously where they're seated in the SEC tournament, and it's and the three winnable games that are on the schedule right now. Yeah, they are. And Georgia was an overtime game last time, so that one could certainly be a a tight one again. But Arkansas being the big one, as you alluded to, they're nine and four. LSU's nine and four in SEC play. I think they've won seventeen games. LSU's won fourteen. I think they're fourteen and six right now. Um, but you know, sort of in that same threshold. Uh, and another win. They've already beaten them once over Arkansas would certainly put LSU right there to finish second uh, behind Bama in the SEC and set themselves up for, you know, you get into the SEC tournament, and as I said, you win a game or two, all of a sudden you're looking anywhere from, and as you said, we'll see if they add another game, but the goal was to go three and one, and let's just say they did that across these final four games. They won a game already, obviously, against Auburn. You're at 14 and six. Let's say you get to 16 and seven. You get into the SEC tournament as the likely two seed, maybe a three seed, uh, but end up winning a game and maybe two games. That would be huge. Uh, but you're finishing in that what 18 and seven or 18 and eight range. I know it doesn't sound like it normally would uh, in an NCAA tournament year where 20 wins is sort of a threshold, but that would get them, Billy. Right now they're at an eight seed uh, projected in, in the latest CBS mom tournament mock that I saw this morning. Um, but that you got to escape that, right? Like you'd rather almost go backwards a little bit uh, beyond to get beyond the nine because you don't want to match up with a Gonzaga coming out in round two. But as they climb up more, I think the more dangerous, obviously, they become if they can get into that seven, six range. Obviously, if they caught fire, get up as a five type seed. But settling into that six, seven range, I think this is a team that can make some noise because obviously they'll have won some games, they'll have some confidence and. Uh, barring injury, and certainly Days appears to be healthy right now, O'Neal's out and kind of the lone guy out, but uh, th- that would set them up well. The, g- the goal at this point, stay hot and get out of that 8-9 game. Yeah, exactly. That 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 worrisome 8-9 game that no one really wants to be a part of, that's what they've got to do. They've got it. They've got their opportunities ahead, and and who knows? They get if they can get into that SEC tournament and get rolling too. Maybe that'll help as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes because if they don't get, let's say, that matchup against Florida on the schedule here late in the season, they'll need another quality win to kind of help boost that that resume just a little bit more, and they could get that in the SEC tournament. They don't have really any bad losses on on this schedule. I mean, we just saw Kentucky, you know, win over the weekend, and and uh, you know, make some noise there. And and obviously, they're they have potential to put something together. I don't think they will this year, but you know, they they just showed kind of how this league can kind of beat each other up. Maybe that helps LSU. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it hurts them in the SEC tournament or late in the season. But they've got everything ahead of themselves. And as Javante Smart also has kind of settled down late in the season. At save really the the game against Alabama where he had a you know off shooting night um, the second matchup around but he's been scoring he's been taking over but he hasn't been trying to do too much for the most part I would say and so if you get him going if you get Cam Thomas you know continuing to 
kind of develop and, and take smarter shots. I mean, this team has the the pieces like it has the last few years to to make some noise. We'll see if this is uh, the year that they can break through and get deep into the NCAA tournament. But they need that good seed to kind of help them get through that. Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see how this plays out, and certainly we're getting we're getting a different team. And and I hate it that we didn't get postseason last year with the veteran, you know, final year of Skylar Mays. But uh, the Mays, the Tremont Waters. Um, are certainly cut more in the, I guess you would say the, the kind of cloth of an Eric Gaines. You know, a true point guard is a really good passer and, and plays good D and, and certainly can still score in spurts. And, and obviously, Mazeman and Waters were elevated their game well beyond that. But, but having Smart and Thomas are just pure scorers uh, as guards. And I think if I know guard play can win tournament games, and a lot of that is being smart with the basketball, but. Javante's been that, as you said, and, and now he's kind of in his groove. Hey, he's in the thousand point club. He got his ball this weekend at, um, I guess, halftime or, or right before the, the game against Auburn. But he's such a veteran. And Cam, Th- or excuse me, uh, yeah, excuse me, Cam Thomas uh, <laughs> looks like a veteran. I mean, he's the leading the NCAA, all freshmen in terms of points per game, 20 plus point games, whatever you want to call it. Those two guys can carry them a long way, but boy, it's just, it's been fun to watch and, and it won't always happen like that Auburn game, but when Wadford is being smart about his shot selection and when days gets going, and then when you get these, you know, little bit of spurts from guys like LeBlanc or Hyatt or whoever it might be, uh, I just, like I said, I look at them now much differently than I did really at any point this season. Yep. And they'll have to continue to do it without Sharif O'Neal. He's, Still dealing with a foot issue. Will Wade said really no timetable on his return. It doesn't seem like things are going well. He's seen a foot specialist. He's you know, continuing to do rehab. He's been able to do some kind of conditioning stuff a little bit, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime soon. So LSU really has their rotation, their roster locked in down the stretch. We'll see how it how it goes for them over these next three games if they add another one of these postponed games and uh, see if they can raise their NCAA tournament resume just a little bit more. But I think we've gone on long enough, Shady. We will check in with you guys later in the week with another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to wherever you listen to the Go 24-7 podcast. We appreciate all you guys out there. Hope you guys are all now warming up after this winter storm we've had to deal with over the last week throughout the country. So thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week, and we'll see you next time.